Welcome to Unpacking the Digital Shelf, where we explore brand manufacturing in the digital age. Hey everyone, Peter Crosby with the Digital Shelf Institute. The holy grail of omnichannel marketing is merging the informative richness of the online experience with the see it, touch it, feel it experience of the brick and mortar store, right? Well, that grail is on its way. Arsene Avakian, formerly CEO and co-founder of Argo T, and now CEO and co-founder of Cooler Screens, joined me to talk about how his company is providing a new digital retail media opportunity in stores that is driving tremendous growth and consumer delight. So Arsene, thank you so much for, for coming on the pod to talk about what you and Cooler Screens are up to and then what's, what's, uh, what the innovations are in kind of bringing digital into the brick and mortar retail experience. Hey, Peter, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, delighted. Yeah, that, you know, what I just said, I think, is really kind of at the crux of what I'd like to start talking to you about is, which is, you know, we had sort of this... Uh, I don't know, it's probably an overstatement to say a brick and mortar pause, but certainly the, the importance of digital overall, and of course, as part of the consumer journey, got heightened during uh, the, the COVID times. And so I'd, I'd love for you to talk about, you know, as we go to a post-pandemic, um, still knocking wood, uh, life here, um, how do, with that happening, plus, of course, just uh, the, the, um, the evolution of retail, I'd love just your high-level uh, thoughts about where consumer expectations are go and, and, uh, and, and where that brick-and-mortar retail experience needs to go relative to that. Yeah, well, uh, Peter, I think it's on the, it's, it's top of mind for a lot of folks, right, that, that as we look back post-COVID, and as you said, not good, good uh, it's post-COVID, uh, retail is not dead, right? I mean, I think that's now pretty much obvious. Yeah. I think it's also pretty obvious that e-commerce is a part of our daily life and the digital uh, experiences are now going to have to find their way into every facet of our life. And partially, uh, I'm going to say probably what you've heard from many others talking about, uh, we accelerated the technology adoption uh, with humans, consumers, businesses, uh, definitely by a, a rate of X, right? I don't want to quote numbers, who knows what it'll be. But uh, that adoption of technology uh, has created certain now expectations, right? So the good news is that a bunch of folks now expect a lot more from their experiences shopping online. But, but kind of the good and the bad news now is that when they now go rush back into the stores, which we see over 90% of the traffic still prefers to shop at least as of right now, in a physical environment, uh, they're going to have different set of expectations. So I think retailers are going to have to step up to the game and, and give those new digital experiences available in a physical brick and mortar environment. Uh, otherwise, consumers are going to have this uh, continuous disappointment between what they're, they've gotten used to online, but they can find it in a physical store. And, and I'm imagining, you know, in addition to consumer expectations, uh, these do really represent opportunities for better conversion, a better experience. You know, it drives growth um, when you introduce those kinds of experiences. And so this is probably a good place just to stop for a second and have you talk about what is it that Cooler Screens does in pursuit of these better consumer yeah. experiences. 
Well, so you, you, Peter, you, uh, you probably know, I mean, you know my background. I was a, a tech kid and then I grew up in tech and then I uh, moved 18 plus 19 years ago into a consumer business and, and having built a consumer brand and a retail brand uh, over those years, uh, uh, I spent thousands of hours in the aisles of those uh, retail stores, right? I mean, if I tell you I spent 10,000 hours in the, uh, in the aisles of Walgreens or 7-Eleven or, or the Kroger, that'll be an understatement. And and what I saw uh, continuously is that disappointment between consumers coming in, clearly looking for a lot more information, transparency, a lot more digital enablement of some of these experiences in a store, but yet uh, they couldn't find that. So, so, so Cooler Screens idea uh, has always been about what if there was a way to bring the best of the digital shelf, so to speak, or the best of e-commerce capabilities, online shopping, into a physical store environment? What if the augmented reality was not about a buzzword that no one really knows what it really means yet, but augmented reality was let's bring the best of digital inside physical and let's give the consumers the best of both worlds, right? So now consumers can stand in a physical store with the best that that store environment gives them in the sense that they're right there, they can grab the product, they can touch it, they can smell it, they can check out immediate satisfaction, but yet, but they also get the benefits of shopping almost digitally, right? So the information accessibility, the transparency that we're so much used to in an online world, you wanna know the calories, you wanna know the, the, the comparison with competitors, the reviews and so on, right? Everything, all the bells and whistles, you go on amazon.com or walmart.com, you'll find uh, when you shop online. What if all that was available in a store? So in short, Cooler Screens brings the best of online shopping in a store. We win the hearts of consumers by digitizing different surfaces uh, around the store. We started with the cooler and freezer aisle, converting those relatively ugly doors uh, on coolers and freezers into these beautiful digital screens that provide the richness of an e-commerce-like user experience. Uh, and, and we turned the physical shelf into a digital shelf inside the store. And um, so that's what we do at Cooler Screens. We, we win the hearts of consumers by that technology and we monetize the business by bringing contextually relevant advertising moments, promotional messaging from the brands to the consumers at, at that point of sale. So I see what you did with your company name there, which, which is there are screens that are on the coolers. That's where you started. So cooler screens, but also it's a cooler experience for the consumer. <laughs> Am I right that that was in the room? As yeah, you I mean, it's obviously <laughs> a marketing play on words. But yeah, I mean, we started on a cool, in a cooler aisle, Peter. We're now piloting with our foundational partner Walgreens uh, in the healthcare section, in the pharmacy section, where we find consumers just as uh, they are uh, really hungry and thirsty for information and that digital enablement in a food and beverage aisle, they're looking for the same thing in the pharmacy aisle, in OTC section, yeah. uh, we're looking uh, down the road to expand into other sections from the beauty with some of our other partners at Kroger or Walmart, well, you'll find cooler screens going into even electronics areas, right? So, so I think we have uh, ambitious plans about how we will digitize sections of the store, but the cooler freezer was the obvious place for us to start because ton of traffic in the perimeter, as you know, the, the perimeter is where most of the traffic in the stores are. And, and two, uh, 
just my personal experience, having been a beverage guy, right? I mean, I, I would see consumers come in and the first thing they do after they find the barely the product matching the label, the price tag and so on, they pick up a, let's say, bottle of tea and they turn and they squint trying to read all that fine print on the back of it just to figure out if it's uh, if, if it matches maybe, is it five grams of sugar or 50, right? And, yeah. and because maybe that consumer is driven by their dietary uh, preferences or constraints, right? In making their purchase decision. And those are kind of those simple moments of what is so much assumed to be, uh, we take it for granted in, a, in the online world when we shop, yeah. but yet in a physical world, it's just difficult. We can't find information that helps us shop better on of a, uh, maybe budgetary constraints or dietary constraints or simply other preferences, right? Well, and we talk so much uh, in digital about friction, right? Friction in the buying journey and every, every distraction in the buying journey or every question is an off-ramp from the purchase, right? And so when I think of what you're doing in-store, you, you now are really removing the friction in a way of the customer going to their phone, trying to find this out. And that can distract them. It can, t- they might not find what they need. Whereas if they can actually just look up on the, on the door and see what they need, that's a, that's, that removes the friction. And it also delights them, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's almost like, as I said, when I would be on these aisles of the stores, right? It was, it was the daily uh, observation. Consumers were literally standing with a cart in a Kroger and yet they'll have their cell phone aside and they're maybe doing competitive price comparison or they're reading the views or they're looking up a recipe on what to do with that frozen spinach as an example, right? So, so, so it's, there's a friction that their consumer was begging for more information using their personal device in their hand, which obviously is an awkward experience versus having a seamless frictionless experience as you call it. I'm shopping and I have all of this information, education, or maybe even promotion at some, uh, in some cases when it's contextually relevant while I am making my decisions about what to buy. You know, on, on a broader sense, you know, we've talked a lot at the Digital Shelf Institute about the explosion in retail media, particularly the, the, you know, the new ad platforms online. Um, whether it be at, you know, at, at certainly at Amazon being a, multi-billion dollar example of that and and uh platforms uh you know uh retailers adopting critio to set up their own retailer ad platforms this is really another dimension of that expansion of retailer media right yeah i mean i like to say what amazon started online is what cooler screens is now uh completing in the offline world right Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Amazon is always a disruptor. Uh, they realize that they have created an incredible audience of consumers, shoppers in their site, and that, they, that those consumers are not there just to shop. A lot of times they need, uh, need to be nudged and educated to make those uh, purchasing selections, right? Mm-hmm. And so they've monetized that. And the retail media uh, only a few years ago was not a thing when we were talking about our dream and a passion that we will, uh, Cooler Screens will be the world's first and largest in-store digital media retail media platform, right? We're now, uh, uh, we now actually have a word and a definition for it. It's called retail media, right? Yes. So Cooler Screens uh, is building the retail media platform, but uh, just like Amazon did for the online world and now a bunch of others, Instacars, Dashdoors, and, uh, and, and of course, every individual retailer is trying to jump in with their e-commerce sites into that space. We, we're doing uh, the other side. We're, we're digitizing the 90% of the pie, I call it, 
if the whole retail trade is roughly call it 10% still online and 90% still offline, we're going after the 90%. We're digitizing stores uh, of our retail partners like Walgreens, Kroger, Walmart, and so on. We, we buy with the, the technology of our digital merchandising platform is how we win the hearts of the customers, those shoppers in the stores, and we earn their trust and the right to bring them those uh, advertising moments that uh, we very, very carefully and fanatically guard to be contextually relevant for them in a store. So, yeah, and and, uh, and you know, so, so much we talk about the 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 way that speaking of Amazon or or Walmart or their their programs that because of their large audiences, they're, they're moving up the funnel, right? It, there's, it's, it's not just about converting someone to a sale at that moment. It's, it's all the way up to discovery. And, and, and I was wondering if you're finding that's the same in store with your, with your capability. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, you, you kind of alluded to this, right? Uh, for Amazon and, and frankly, now everyone else who's rushing into the detailed media space in the online world, that they're kind of the low hanging fruit was the search, right? People want to find widgets. Well, why don't we just advertise and give them the top three uh, searches on widgets, right? And that's the, the kind of a very basic rudimentary uh, Google model, but done within your walled garden of uh, Amazon or the Walmart or so on. Well, uh, but but I think what we're finding as we have done with the internet and overall with advertising uh, uh, to date, that the consumers are not just looking for basic search, they want experiences, they want entertainment, especially, and that kind of led us to the social, that led us to the displays. uh, And and so so now you take that into the in-store environment, instead of this little screen that we got on our laptop or on our phone, we now have these beautiful, huge canvases. We, we have this ability just like, uh, I mean, Times Square, like a form factor, right? So to speak, to be able to bring in really incredible immersive digital experiences for the consumers that are far beyond the search. So yeah, I mean, we have voice enabled capability in a store consumers can ask uh, of a screens and say, hey, show me all the gluten-free products, right? So we have a search-enabled type wow. of capability. You can say, show me all the gluten-free products, all the ve- vegan products, and so on. So really cool stuff, brings the best of, again, uh, audio. Wait, so the, the consumer can actually stand at the in the gluten-free or whatever and, and ask to be shown yeah, the product. And, and, wow. and the product will get highlighted and so on, right? So, so we have the search kind of uh, interactivity yep. there. But the, where the real power comes in, you're not, not looking at that soggy box of, I don't know, frozen pizza or some frozen product, but you're actually looking at this beautiful animated uh, uh, product card, if you will, mm-hmm. on the digital shelf that is telling you a story. So the brands now have an opportunity to tell a story. They, have, they can build this brand equity and the emotional connection with the product. So it's no longer just a pizza. Now DiGiorno stands for something, right? Maybe it's the legacy of their brand or the freshness or the ingredients, whatever it is the brand managers, brand marketers decided to, to do. Or maybe Miller Coors six pack, again, that soggy box that's sitting there shopped by the DSD in a corner of a cooler. Uh, now that space, it becomes a canvas for Miller Coors maybe in Chicago to talk about their support for our local teams, Cobbs, Bears, right, as an example. And it creates an association that Miller Coors is, is the brand that supports my local teams, right, as an example. These are moments of brand equity building, which then you couple with 
that traditional on-the-shelf performance marketing, shopper trade marketing elements. Now you have this powerful combination. You build a brand equity simultaneously driving the sales and the performance. And, 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 and in our case, we're blessed with the partnerships with our retailers where we get the full reach data of the consumer purchases and we can close completely the data, uh, the cycle, the attribution of this media. So for the first time uh, in, a, in a world of physical, we can actually tell the brands if their media is working or not, right? As John, John Wanamaker says, uh, we know advertising works, we just don't know which half of it. <laughs> yes. We, we actually <laughs> now know for the first time, which half of it will work. So I'd love to, because I think, you know, you're working in a visual medium and here we are <laughs> on audio. So I'd love to just dig into some more of those kind of use cases, the, the different kinds of experiences that you're working. You know, I don't know whether you can mention actual brands that are doing this or not. You've mentioned some that, that seem to be working with you, but any way that you can kind of bring this to life for our audience? Uh, sure. No, I mean, uh, we're blessed that we have uh, in a very relatively short period of time, basically about a year since we took this to, on a commercial basis to market. Uh, we've partnered with over 200 brands across the country. So there's basically not a big name brand that you would think of uh, that is not participating on a platform, but similarly also a lot of young startups that previously would not have the capability to go right. I mean, for them, the advertising on a mass scale is out of reach, but here they're able to segment and target individually to one store or one region or, or a cross retailer platform. So, uh, so with the, with the 200 brands, there is a lot of anecdotal, of course, case studies. We have them published on our website. If any of you guys are interested, you can see that under case studies uh, or outcomes uh, section. I mean, uh, there's some of them that come to, to mind, right? I mean, we, we, I love in particular Life Water from Pepsi, or as you know, that it's, it's a very much visual design driven uh, brand that they've incepted. I mean, water is water at the end of the day, right? One can argue it's just the ultimate commodity. So what, what is it that makes that particular brand and the bottle stand out on the shelf? And, and the richness of the design with the animation in the display format that was able to come into this 4K screens at the large format. So they get the richness of that, like I said, Times Square, kind of an out of home environment, uh, uh, the uh, impact of a big display video ad, but yet, then being contextualized down to one individual product card where it, it disrupts the shelf on its, uh, 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 as compared to the other competitors. Another example, uh, which I guess, and not only specific to the brand, uh, another product line that we're very excited, I'm excited about is, uh, we, we call it native product filters. So a lot of brands really flock to that individual specific product because it's like the Snapchat filter in social, but done for the products on a digital shelf. So now the products, uh, the brand managers can apply these filters where maybe the, the bottle of uh, Coke, now is not just a bottle of Coke, now it's got a little sweat of the, uh, of the water coming down on a bottle, making, giving you that fresh uh, bottle of Coke perspective, right? Or, or the perception or the bubbling. It's now actually, there is a, you can see the carbonation, right? Or maybe another fun brand, uh, is trying to have a wobbly uh, element to it, or and so on, right? So, or the monster yeah. drink will have uh, uh, will have uh, little monsters or Red Bull at, when they had their Pokemon. You remember the Red Bull? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. When, so the Red Bull did a really fun one. Uh, 
they they basically had the Pokemon running around the uh, Red Bull uh, uh, cans and the shelf. And that was just like a fun entertainment, right? I mean, I, I saw kids like standing there and just having fun watching that, right? So let and, me make sure I understand this. Is in that moment, is the, I'm just trying to figure out if you're putting a filter over the actual physical bottles through the screen, or is it an animation on the screen? It's on the screen, right? I mean, uh, when you come to a store, uh, you're no longer looking through the transparent glass into the products, right? Now you're looking at these beautiful 4K screens that have the digital planograms. So the same shelf that's behind the door, it now looks like a digital shelf. and, And once this every, I mean, once this surface became this digital canvas, you now as a brand, you have the ability to bring life, your, your, to bring your products to life. You can put emotion, you can put fun, you can put that energy, right? You can bring that, uh, that uh, brand building kind of uh, uh, emotional connection versus simply staring at the skew, which may or may not be face, may not even be on a shelf, right? Yeah. So, 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 so that's what, that's what really is, uh, uh, like I said, I mean, you asked me uh, kind of to try to visualize here in an audio uh, some of these uh, Snapchat-like filters, but applied to uh, products and SKUs on a shelf uh, in a store. That's really cool. I, we will include the link to the uh, LifeWater case study in our in our notes, uh, and that'll get you to the section on the Cooler Screens uh, site where you can see more of this. You know, you you Arson, you talk about Times Square, and in some ways, Times Square to me is overwhelming when I go there. There's 19, you know, flashing screens and it, it, I almost can't focus. Is there, um, and also is there audio? Like, are, we, are you in danger of turning retail stores into cacophonous, like uh, sort of overwhelming experiences? Or is there some sort of uh, measurement across and does it differ by store? Like, how do you think about that? Yeah, no, that's a that's an excellent question, Peter. Right? I mean, from the get from the very beginning, from day one, I said, guys, a store is is a shopping environment. This is not a place where we're going to turn it into Vegas or Times Square just simply because we can't. Right? Yeah. And there were previous attempts, as you know, Walmart had Walmart TV network, and I mean, sticking TV in a store that doesn't really bring anything to the consumers. Right? If anything, it's going to start annoying them that the ads are now becoming so pervasive. And intrusive in our lives. So this is where the digital merchandising, the art of merchandising or e-commerce like merchandising brought in a store environment. That's, that's the key. That is one of the key secret sauces, if you will, of cooler screens, right? So when you come in, you're seeing relevant ads, but there's those relevant, uh, contextually relevant ads, they quickly convert into digital shelf views or the planograms. So you're now looking at the products and, and those products have this fun, uh, moments that to you will come across either educational. You can have, let's say, an Argo tea bottle, and you may have a label that says, I'm organic or I'm non GMO, I'm, I'm more locally brewed. Information that usually in the past would be only available if the shelf talkers and the paper ugly tags would be hanging over the bottle, right? Now yeah. it's all digitally enabled. Now, for you as a consumer, that's not advertising, that's a native uh, label and a tag. Uh, that allows you to make a better decision about maybe you want organic products, right? That's what you're looking for. So it's not a perception of an advertising, but rather education information that helps you narrow down your choices. 
On, then you have these entertainment-like capabilities almost, where, like I said, the Pokemon on a can of Coke comes to life. It's no longer just a picture of a Red Bull can, but rather it's an animated can where the Red Bull uh, is, uh, is, is being playful with the Pokemon promotion, as an example. And, and, and you could be standing at 3 p.m. and it's 80 degrees outside and you might have a relevant ad, ad pop-up without intruding your view that says, hey, it's 90 degrees outside. Would you like to, uh, uh, to try out a new, I don't know, Ben and Jerry's ice cream, right? Uh, or Hagen das ice cream. And these are the moments where, yes, it's a promotion. Yes, it's advertising, but it's relevant. You might be looking at the frozen spinach app uh, but a pro, a aisle, and you might get recipes on what would be your dinner tonight. And you can scan the QR code and have that recipe downloaded on your phone. So you now know what to do with that frozen ingredient, as an example. This kind of richness of uh, interactivity, information, education that helps you figure out what is a better choice for you as a shopper has simply been unavailable in a brick and mortar world. But yet in an e-commerce world, when you are on any.com, that's kind of a norm, right? I mean, you, yeah. you, you shop on any of those sites, there is a link to download a recipe. Why can't we have that in a store? I, I think of, um, I, I, you know, the, the Tom Cruise movie Minority Report, where he's going down the street and the billboard right above his head changes to something that's exactly for him. It has his name on it, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, does does this have the potential to get almost personalized at some point in the future? Uh, it, you know, pr is privacy an issue? You know, how do you think about sort of the the yeah, ultimate? Peter, I mean, you know, you're asking the the very loaded question here, which is which also cuts into another thing that I, I, for me, it's personally, is very um, I'm pretty passionate about the privacy side of this, because uh, when I was getting into uh, when, when I was starting the business, right, and I was trying to understand what is really the algorithm, what drives the digital media to date, right? What has become obvious that the big media, big tech has become addicted to the personal, the PII, the whole personal data, the whole algorithm for some reason was built on knowing that this is Peter or any linkable information out there from your IP to this and that, to that can identify that it's Peter and then look at your past history to infer what you might be interested in the future and, and thus display you the ads, right? Well, the, the reality is it, it gets creepy, right? We, none of us yeah. as humans appreciate that, right? As much as I think the marketers in a, in a kind of a theoretical world, we th everyone thought this one-to-one -one personalization and, uh, and targeting is going to be so cool, right? Well, the reality, uh, one, it doesn't work any better than what we're doing, which is what we call contextual targeting. Yeah. Two, it's not simple. It's just simply not cool because it's not it's not okay by a lot of people, right? I mean, the, at, at the minimum, we as humans, we need to have basic right of saying it's okay by us and ask my consent, and don't sneak that in as a top, 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 ton of type of you know fine print uh, somewhere that I have to click and get through. So, privacy by design was at the heart of how we thought of the technology and of the business model. And what we did is, uh, Peter, I challenged my data scientists. I said, guys. And help me understand, why do I really care if I'm trying to sell my beer or my uh, tea to Peter? Why do I really need to know it's Peter? It doesn't matter to me, it's Peter, Jill, or Joe. What I do know is that I want to know if within the context, context defined being 
it's 3 p.m. It's hot outside. Maybe, I mean, I mean, and the customer is dwelling for more than four seconds in front of the ice cream door, right? I mean, frankly, you don't need a whole lot of data science. <laughs> so maybe the customer is interested in uh, in ice cream, in right? In ice cream, yeah. Right? So, and, and this is the beauty of doing this in a physical world with the technology where the intent is almost so obvious. Nobody walks into Walgreens or 7-Eleven or Kroger just for sake of it, right? You're there to shop. We know we, we have the IoT sensors that only look at the motion and the, and the presence of the customers versus knowing or uh, and tracking if that's Peter or Jill. We can care less about that. And if you're in front of the ice cream door, you're kind of telling me that it's your intent. I'm here for more than X seconds. I'm not just staring at the ice cream for sake of it. Right. I'm probably looking now, do I want strawberry or chocolate? And if it's 4 p.m. and the guy parked the truck outside and he's in 7-Eleven by the beer door, probably he's going to grab his uh, usual six-pack. Well, what if maybe we, I mean, Beam Santori did a really uh, cool campaign with us. You probably know about Beyond Beer campaign that uh, they, uh, mm-hmm. they have outside right now. Yeah. So they were trying to tell people, hey, Beyond Beer, consider some of our spirits, right? And or 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 the same DiGiorno I mentioned pops up with and saying, hey, why don't you bundle with your six pack of beer between four and eight p.m.? It's probably a dinner time, and grab the frozen pizza or the frozen dinner, and maybe even a, a special three ninety nine streaming from Netflix, right? Yep. So, yeah. or yeah. the so the so we believe in a contextual advertising model which looks at the behavioral signals and the environmental signals together. And now a data scientist came back over the past three years and they've basically proven that we lift sales almost guaranteed at the levels that are far exceeding the whole old model of advertising, which is the one-to-one personalized IP or, or individual identity based, right? And, and, and so we're seeing sales lifts uh, across the board, Peter. I mean, again, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I, we never take it for granted. And I'm, I'm very humbled about these results that we're able to bring to the brands that work with us. But uh, we're seeing the stores in general, uh, uh, seeing somewhere between 3 to 5% incremental same-store sales lifts, which you can imagine in the brick-and-mortar business, people kill for a quarter point sales lift. Of course, yeah. We're talking about 3 to 5% in average. Wow. And the, and the brands that, that, that advertise could see those lifts being nearly 5 to 10%, even double the, the, the rate of the total category lift. So that's, that's kind of my view on the privacy. Yeah. And well, I, and probably, sorry, buried the lead, which is the growth percentages are fantastic. I mean, the fact that you can do that and still maintain privacy is, uh, is an incredible uh, bonus to humanity, I think. The, the I, I, was build your technology architecture without the need, without that addiction to data. Right. So the algorithm does, simply doesn't use the data. So don't collect it. You don't need it. And then build a business model that can prove that you can create that value of that growth rate without needing the personal data. And that's what we've done with Cooler Screens. Yeah, and to your point, context is much easier to, I'm I'm not saying it's easy, but you're able to understand context much more deeply than someone who's shopping on Amazon. You know, you you do have that proximity, you have, you you do know what's going on outside at the moment. So that's very cool. You know, I wanted to, um, you know, 
I can feel the listeners who are not in the CP chat, CPG category thinking like, damn, CPG gets everything first. Like they get all the cool stuff. Do, um, do you have uh, mad scientist plans for, for future, you know, when you're furniture shopping or, or when you're, you know, out looking at, yeah, tell me what, what you're thinking uh, for the future. I mentioned briefly uh, 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 a little earlier, uh, we're excited about uh, upcoming pilot leading, uh, basically in, by end of June, we'll have a few pilots coming up in healthcare setting. Uh, with Walgreens came up. I mean, Walgreens is our first big partner that's now going across the country to thousands of stores, right? So they really kind of are, are the, I, I mean, they are one step ahead, frankly, even though they were two steps behind maybe on, in some ways with the whole retail media and everything, but now they're taking big steps forward. Uh, yeah. We so, had Luke Keigel on the, um, on the podcast uh, the just recently. Yeah, he's, so, he's so amazing. They, they came to us and they said, look, our, uh, cooler screens guys, I mean, we look at that. I mean, we're a healthcare company at the end of the day. And, and a lot of patients that come, we see the point of care converging with point of sale, right? I mean, the health clinics are now coming inside the pharmacy. COVID has accelerated this. And you've seen the billion dollar investment Walgreens made into Village MD. So a lot of health clinics are now being integrated into a pharmacy setting. So these consumers or the patients, when they come in, that we, we would love to be able to educate them and tell them about their health choices, their healthcare uh, uh, options, right? Whether it's about the prescriptions or OTC drugs. I mean, as simple as a lot of people would come in and say, well, what's the difference between Advil and Elite, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, which one is better for me? What, what are the side effects for that? Or ask your doctor about something so we'll know who is coming up in, uh, and, and, and what appointments are being uh, being uh, scheduled with the health clinic. So the screens will start uh, giving the consumers the education so that when they do walk into the doctor's office, they can ask the questions that are relevant about their health, as an example. And all of this will lead, I mean, one, we hope uh, clearly, uh, we hope with Walgreens that will lead to better patient outcomes Mm -hmm. because the patients will be much more educated, the the adherence to the drugs and uh, to the medications will be a lot higher and so on and so on, right? And, and at the same time, we'll be able to bring in uh, 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 an opportunity for all of these pharma and the healthcare companies to actually differentiate themselves in the clutter of what the pharmacy could look like. Um, we see a similar opportunity with the beauty section. Uh, uh, I mean, again, Walgreens and the Kroger's and the Walmarts and Altas, right? I mean, those are all environments where we see cooler screens can grow into. Yeah, uh, we recently had a walk through a bunch of stores with Walmart folks, and they are so smart, uh, just wicked smart people. And 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 Walmart was seeing uh, cooler screens applications in the electronic section, in the gaming section. I mean, you would go to the gaming section. The, the I mean, the Xboxes, the Playstations, and and Nintendos, right? All locked up behind the cabinets. And this is exactly the area where the those gamers, the shoppers. They would like to have an interactivity. They'd like to have that digital experience before they make up their mind if they're going to spend $100 on buying a particular game, as an example, right? So, God, I can feel the brand managers and shopper marketers like kind of <laughs> freaking out over the possibilities here. It's really exciting. Um, Arsen, I just want to thank you so much for, for joining us and, and for discussing this innovation with you. I, I should ask, you know, is this a global availability right now or is this, um, 
Is this piloting in North America or, or how is it working right now? So, uh, uh, so it's we're so the, in terms of where we are today, but uh, we we are today probably about fifteen to twenty million consumers in front of the screens. That's the scale today. Mm-hmm. Um, by end of summer, when we get our first push of rollout installations with Walgreens uh, and and Giant Eagle, uh, uh, GetGo, etc., completed, we should cross fifty to fifty-five million customers monthly audience size. So that's the scale of a platform. And, and just to put that into context, right? Uh, I mean, uh, Amazon, I think 200 million or so people per month. Uh, so we're, we're kind of uh, uh, jazzed about anyway. getting to a quarter of that kind of a scale so quickly. Um, uh, it will be in all 25 uh, big DMAs markets in the United States. Uh, they, there will be installations next year in Canada, Toronto, etc. area uh, as well. So we'll expand into there. Um, we have a bunch of pilots that are either already installed or, or in works with retailers uh, in C-Channel, Convenience Channel, gas stations like Murphy's and others, uh, GetGo with Giant Eagle, uh, or grocery implementations. And then uh, I mentioned Walmart in the mass section. So it's it's proliferating itself, I mean, uh, with a lot of the big names in the, in the retailing U.S. Globally, uh, uh, Peter, we get phone calls from 7-Eleven Japan uh, or GS25 in Korea, and uh, just this morning from a 700 uh, location big group in France, right? So uh, we are not there yet, but the ambition is definitely that this can be a global platform and, and, and I want this to be the destination. Any brand uh, media buyers uh, and the brand managers, when they want to connect with the shoppers of America or one day global shoppers, they'll know that Cooler Screens is the place to click. First mover advantage, I would say, for anyone that, that um, has the, the budget and the, the scale to, um, to experiment here. It sounds like an exciting time. So Arsene, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and and sharing this with us. I I really appreciate it. I've I've very much enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Arsene for bringing his coolness to the pod. Please share this episode with your brand and shopper marketing colleagues. They'll thank you for it. And thanks to you for being part of our community.